Real quick, upcoming stand-up comedy performances. You guys can catch me tonight, Wednesday, at the Hollywood Improv, 8.30 p.m., featuring for the prolific Sammy Obeyed. And New Year's Eve, I will also be in L.A., Laugh City at Oino, Vino, two shows, 7 p.m., 9 p.m., got some real funny friends with me, and I may have uh, some pop-up shows in the Bay Area the week before Christmas. You never know. I'm not going to advertise it because I was just there doing like a long stretch of shows. I'm not trying to like do too much there again, but uh, I may do like a few little pop-up spots, and if you guys want to see me uh, work out some material and uh, get angry by politically correct barrier residents, hit me up and uh, I may give you the location. <laughs> this is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very much for tuning in. I know I've been away. I've been booked, busy, and sick. I didn't want to put out a podcast where I'm coughing all over the motherfucker. I don't think that'd be very enjoyable to listen to, and I definitely know that would not be very enjoyable to record. So with that said, I am back. I know what you guys are thinking. What about the Dragon 21 Savage album? What about the Nas album? What about the final season of Atlanta? We will be doing a year in review pod next Friday with somebody that has been on very, very early on when this podcast first started. It's a special guest. I'm not going to say who, but I'm really happy to have him back. And we're going to cover a bunch of things that have not been covered, art, year in review, a bunch of fun stuff. With that said, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be good to yourselves. And you guys like the episode, please share it on social media and tag me. And uh, if not, thanks for listening anyways. Be good to yourselves. Rest in peace, Jason David Frank. The original Green Ranger and the original White Ranger. So I don't know where to begin. So um, real quick crash course, if you are Gen Z and listening to this or you're Gen X and listening to this, and you, obviously you wouldn't be paying attention to the Power Rangers or, uh, you know, you're my age and you're just kind of like, damn, that's some sad shit. And you kind of forgot what happened. So Power Rangers, a show which was, uh, you know, where they where they uh, spliced in uh, footage from. I, Super Sentai, they, they've spliced in shit from a Japanese TV show with the action sequences, and then they got uh, actors, if you want to call them that. They got, like, a bunch of attractive teenagers to then uh, act out the stuff in between the action and do, like, a little bit of action in between. And then there was a story arc where there was a Green Ranger, and they brought in this guy, Jason David Frank. And he was only supposed to be around for like six, seven episodes. Some of you guys may remember the memes where it's like 90s kids remember the stress of watching Tommy give the Rangers the business for like five, six episodes, you know, and he really was like you felt anxiety watching that as a kid. Like, damn, because, you know, it's like you've seen like Batman get his ass kicked. You've seen Superman, you know, get some kryptonite thrown in his face. But, you know, it's normally resolved within, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But this was the first time where it's like episode after episode, the Power Rangers were just getting it. Like, that's the, that's like the first probably like legitimate drama I've seen prolonged on screen, you know. And Power Rangers is a lot of first on screen, you know. Like, that's why it's special with my generation. I mean, it's like Kimberly was a lot of boys' first crushes, including mine. 
Tommy was a lot of girls' first crushes, and I don't know if they like, you know, Jason or Zach. I never heard girls talk about liking Billy. But the Power Rangers is a lot of first, and Tommy, the character, but, you know, Jason David Frank, the actor, Tommy's very significant, I think, because I, th- I think about, like, you know, first images, you know, that you, you get as a kid, and, like, Tommy, like, before... Like, if you think about the, in the multimedia pop culture vacuum of, you know, masculine alpha males, like, there's Tupac, there's James James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano, there's Denzel Washington, there's Brad Pitt, there's Kobe Bryant, there's athletes, and there's actors, and there's musicians, and recording artists, and various personalities, but the very first image of just like straight up masculine swag i can really recall seeing on screen i would say was tommy as the green ranger and you could make the case for zach but zach was like more like cool you know zach was like (laughs) like zach will beat your ass and then like spin on his head right after and it's just kind of like oh okay but tommy really felt like he would fuck you up in a different way than the red ranger jason and I found myself going through like a rabbit hole with the Power Rangers. And I'm like, yo. <coughs> For one, <coughs> every year I go back, it gets more and more archaic. And me as an only child, I actually stayed with the Power Rangers a little bit longer. Because when you're an only child, when it comes to like, you know, consuming pop culture, you can kind of like stay in your head for a while, you know, because it's like you don't have a older sibling to be like, nah, that's the new shit we on. You don't have a younger sibling to kind of nudge you in the way like, no, I'm telling you, this is the new stuff. You just like kind of whatever you like, you like, you know, you you have a million crushes. You have you have all these worlds that you've made up and all these theories. Like, even if you're an only child, you're not the most creative motherfucker. You still have like a you still have like your own little world, you know. And for me, it was like kids are like well moved on beyond Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. They're like, it's all about Zeo. It's about Turbo. I'm like, I still like the Mighty Morphin. And then when it, we was off Power Rangers, it was like Power Rangers was like a little thing I had to like in secret when niggas was playing with Yu-Gi-Oh cards and shit. And I'm like, I got my Power Rangers in the corner. Ah. Oh, that is whiskey for the it's time of year we're in, man. It's coming through a cold. Gotta have a whiskey, man. I had some, like, cough medicine, and it just felt like a truck fucking hit me. I just can't. I did, like, some NyQuil. I'm like, I can't do the NyQuil. Anyways. It was funny. I was pouring myself NyQuil, and my mom was pouring herself some whiskey. And she was like, I don't know what she's doing with that shit. (laughs) She's like, it's alcohol in both. You might as well just have this. They got a bullshit up in that. I was like, I know, but I I just need a little bit to even myself out, you know. And it worked. Now I'm back on the whiskey. In uh, the hot toddies. Anyways, as, as I record this before I get on a flight. <coughs> I think what worked with Power Rangers, it was like a mix of all the perfect things happening together. It was the 90s. It was bright. And no, no. But yeah, like I was saying, it was um like every time I would go back, like because I, I, I was like done with Power Rangers by 1998, like Power Rangers in space was the last one that I really kind of gave. And I didn't even really like it. It was just like, well, it's on TV. So I'm just watching it. The same way I like as an adult, where it's like you listen to vibe music, where it's like, I wouldn't say that 21 Savage is like a a good recording artist, but it's like, it's vibey, it's out. So I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll listen to, I'll listen to a song, you know? 
But anyway, so same thing with TV shows as a kid. Static Shock also fucking like even when Static Shock was on the air, I'm like, I want to like this because it's black, but I know it's fucking bad. Like they were just, I was just watching like. Why does this not feel as good as X-Men and Spider-Man and Batman and even Superman and Justice League? And it's like, well, because it's bad. They just, they're like, ah, oh, give the niggas a little hip-hop cartoon. You know, it's, it, yeah. It's fucking whack-ass little Romeo song in the intro. Anyways, <clears throat> so I would go back to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And every time I went back, it looked more and more archaic. Like, I watched with some neighborhood friends and they pointed out how, like, wait, the Zords are really just toys. And they're, it's like they're doing it on like a, a small little, um, uh, like a small little makeshift. You know, like how they can make like a, a little miniature city. I, I, I forget the thing because architectures do it when they when they show a thing, and it's fucking bothering me. I don't have the word in front of me. A miniature city, I guess. <clears throat> but anyways, like so, you, you would see that, and then. And then now it's time as I, I rewatch it at the age of 32 years old, I'm like, God, the teleportation looked archaic. But you know what it is? It's like the first show where it feels like home because it's like you watch like a show that you like watching all the time. Like for me, it's like The Sopranos. It's like when I'm at Satrials, you know, I feel like I want my friends, even though like I know like they wouldn't like my black ass. Like what, what what's the fucking Mulan doing in the back? Or like I watch The Wire. I'm like, OK, cool. I'm with I'm with, I'm with Bodie and we back on the corner. Uh, or I watch Curb at certain shows like that and like seeing the command center and that do 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 that, that like kind of more mellow music to symbolize like, all right, things that have been resolved like that, you know, because that's what scores are for is like to tell you how to feel. I, I like that washed over me while watching that, you know. And I think, you know, and it's like, I'm glad that, you know, they got, I, I was like doing my research and like how they were treated uh, as actors and God, they were treated fucking shitty. They were treated fucking awful. You know, like they, like, first off, Power Rangers was a non-union show. So the main cast was making $600 a week working Monday through Friday, 12 hour days. Then on Saturdays, they did all their voiceovers for the, to dub the the uh, voices for the fights uh, scenes from the Japanese show. And then Sunday, they only had Sunday to rest and then back at it. And then they had their public appearances. And then also it's like, you know, it's a kid show. So I'm sure there's certain things like, Hey, like stay away from strip clubs, try to stay away from gambling. I know you're going to be in Vegas, but stay away from the crap stables. I'm sure there's like just a long list of shit that they just couldn't do that. They probably didn't even consider. Um, but yeah, and then like like I typed in like okay six hundred dollars because there were six hundred dollar a month you know apartments out there. I mean I'm sure they were shitty even back then, but six hundred dollars a month and ninety three by inflation, that's twelve hundred dollars a month in two thousand twenty two dollars. And I mean look, which like is isn't bad. Like I mean especially like if you're in. Uh, entertainment like and it's your first job out the gate making twelve hundred dollars a week like that's not bad at all but when you consider the fact you're working 12 hour days and the fact that kind of everybody knows you and you can't go to the mall because look there's a certain thing where because we like to kind of debate like our entertainers athletes overpaid or not and it's like yeah i mean like i mean first off like you, you know you you get what you have the power to negotiate so it's like uh, kind of sounds a little pocket watchy and a little petty to be like you don't deserve that it's just like i like we could say these people deserve more but that doesn't you know 
I don't know if, if some fucking economist can tell us like, you know what, Stephen Adams making $22 million means like why teachers are getting fucked. Like, cool. But I mean, I've never heard that reasoning. So it's, it just sounds like play hating. I will say this, though. I feel like if you are on a professional basketball team, if you're on a TV show, I don't feel like a hit TV show. I don't feel people should have access to you because people are too fucking strange. Like, I think NBA players should live in fucking gated communities just for the sake of them, their family, and whatever. Because people are fucking weird, you know? <coughs> so if you're on a show like that, like, I was really just disappointed to know that they were just making $600 a week or $1,200 a week, you know, and today. And then uh, a bunch of the Rangers and the cast and crew, like, they had roommates and they lived together in a house to, like, save money. And I'm sure, like, they had fun and they got a lot of pussy and they got free shit and... I'm, I'm sure, like they, I'm sure it was like a great time and it was also a bad time. But I found out that that's like the the same agent that represented the red, yellow, and black ranger, like represented them, and then they the show wouldn't go union, and then that's why, uh, and that's why they got the the new rangers in the movie and the TV series. But with that said, I am glad that Jason David Frank got his flowers and he really got to see how much the fans loved him and he really got to hear in first person because that's gotta suck because i mean especially like you know with those with all those guys i mean with the, with the first cast of the power rangers i would really just say amy joe johnson and walter emmanuel jones the black ranger and the peak ranger they're the only ones that i f- felt like had any sort of acting chops like the, they, they weren't good you know it's like jason david frank like you, you want to see him play tommy like like, you want to see him on, like, if not Power Rangers, you want to see him on, like, a VR Trooper show, and it's like, you know, but, like, like, nobody's gonna believe in playing a doctor, like, uh, let me check your temperature, uh, yeah, sword on, he always sounded like he was about to, like, bust a nut, and it was fucking, like, it was, it, which is great for, like, a kid's TV show where it's action and, like, sexuality is in, a, in our heads, even though, like, I do think that the Power Rangers helped a lot of kids find their sexuality, you know, like, I like, Kimberly definitely helped a lot of boys my age find our sexuality, you know, so. This is violent. <laughs> I just kind of remember this. You know, like, before rap music, it was the Power Rangers, because it was like, it just made me want to be violent and fuck. Like, I just remember wanting to kiss Kimberly and then just, like, kick a nigga after I saw an episode. It's like, it's the fucking, <laughs> how horrible is that? So, yeah, man, I'm glad that he got to experience that. Um, Unfortunately, you know, I don't even think like the way that he the way that he died really needs to be talked about. I think like we just focus on on this, you know, it's we don't even need to go there. It's good. I think it's really good when performers can experience the love, but especially like, you know, for, for these these people where only so many of them had like, you know, acting chops and their takes that were done in like one or two takes. And and then on top of that, some of them maybe did have some acting chops, but they never got an opportunity because they were just always seen as like the power ranger. <coughs> so I think it's, I love that, you know, that <coughs> they're able, <coughs> excuse me. This is why I haven't recorded a fucking pod in so long. It's fucking sick. I think it's good that uh, they're still able to go to Comic-Con, get their money, feel the love, and that's that's a beautiful thing to see, and I'm glad that Jason David Frank got his flowers while he was here. 
and the amazing childhood memories. It's fucking blast. Rest in peace. Another childhood goat passed away. Kevin Conroy. The best motherfucking Batman we've ever had. Look, man, the 90s animated Batman series, I feel, gave template for, like, the Nolan Batman movies and the Batman movie that came out this year, even though I know a lot of people didn't like it. <coughs> but just where Batman is serious, because Batman is like a dark story, you know, <coughs> when you think about what it is, but everything we saw on screen from, like, Adam West to... The Michael Keaton, Tim Burton Batman movies to the other animated kids shows. It was all very campy. It was very light. And obviously, like, you know, culture was different and movies were different, you know, in the 60s and animated stuff was different. You know, basically up until the 90s, animated stuff didn't really get, you know, more adult. Um but the '90s one, it was film noir. It was, it was. Um, I w- <coughs> I would say, because I would say for my generation, <coughs> animated superhero stuff, Batman, not Superman, Batman, Spider Man, and X Men was the first uh, step in. It was the first step into us getting sophisticated taste. Because, like, you know, with, like, something like Power Rangers, you know, it's like, you know, there's no character development. You know, if you, like, you've read a script, it's like, you know, they're kind of all the same. It's just, you know, like, okay, maybe Kimberly's a Valley Girl. Zach, you know, would do, like, a little nigga shimmy. You know, they made it clear Tommy and Jason were, like, the alphas of the group. Billy's a nerd. So it's, like, little things like that. But outside of that, like, you know, it's like, you don't really know what these kids' motivations are to help save the world. Just, oh, you said save the world. Okay, teamwork. But the superhero stuff, like, the the 90s animated superhero stuff, like, we got to see some personalities. We got to explore some uh, sophisticated themes like death, grief, fear, remorse, guilt, secrets, you know, and I was like, and because like for my generation, I'd say that's like our first step in, into, you know, adult art, or or not, I wouldn't say adult stuff, but with his adult themes in it. And then the next step, you know, was like you know, being like, oh, I like Goodwill Hunting, you know, or like you know, if you're black, it's it's a Denzel movie. If you're white, you know, it's you know, almost famous or the teenage virgin suicides. And then you start liking, you know, kind of more, and then you're like, Ooh, baby boy. And you know, like you, you go through, you go through these things and eventually you like adult shit. But I would say the nineties, nineties animated series, nineties animated superhero series, you know, with the Simpsons to an extent, cartoons is like what got us in my generation. But Kevin Conroy, man, he was, <coughs> he was one of the, oh yeah, oh, anyways, real quick, because <coughs> I think about those series and like the adult themes, because like X-Men was like the first time I saw like a love triangle, you know, with fucking um, 
with uh Jean Grey, uh Scott, Cyclops, and uh Logan. Wolverine. Hey Bub. <laughs> that was like the the first thing. Um, you know, they gotta keep their identities a secret, so it's like shit, I feel shame. I'm a mutant. You know, uh Peter Parker felt shame that he didn't stop uh the guy that ended up killing his uncle Ben. Uh you know, Batman being scared of bats and you know, his parents died and he's sad about that and you know, leading a double <laughs> leading a double life is fucking I mean, how many <laughs> I mean I hope not too many of us have done that. Have I led a double life? Huh. I mean, I don't know. Does cheating count? <laughs> but anyways, um, no, nah, man. But but uh, but yeah, that's like the that's like the first place. You know, we got adult themes. Um, but man, Kevin Conroy, man, Kevin Conroy was like the epitome of a voice actor because he looked nothing like his voice. Like if you see a picture of him, you know he's he's got like. He's skinny. He's got big ears. He's got like uh, you know, big eyes, big nose. You know, kind of curlyish hair. But then you hear his voice, Alfred, Robin, Commissioner Gordon. I set the coordinates to the Batcave. You know, and he's got that fucking like I'm just fucking beautiful, masculine, just incredible voice. Like his voice is like the the. You know, like the old '90s, uh, early 2000s movie trailer guy voice in a world where we, you will see new things, and it's like if you take the like the in a world voice, but then you put some gel in his hair and put some cologne on the voice, like that's that's fucking Kevin Conroy, man. And like every time I <coughs> I watch Batman, you know, where I see a Batman movie. I always, at some point, I'll think of Kevin Conroy, even though it's like, you know, it's the the Chris Nolan Batman movies are like the most enjoyable and those are the ones I go back to. You know, sometimes I'll get high, put on HBO Max and I'll just put on a 90s Batman or like a, a Justice League, you know, so salute to Kevin Conroy, salute to James David Frank. Thank you for making 90s childhood so fucking dope, man. Salute. So Raphael Warlock defeated Herschel Walker in the Georgia Senate race. Earlier today, it was Herschel Walker at 41% and Raphael Warlock at 49%. And look, I have not been paying attention to this. I know Herschel Walker has been saying some kooky things. I see like a little bit from my like, you know, meme sharing get angry at politics political comedian friends and i got a distinct because those are all three different types of motherfuckers it's like i'm just sharing memes and i'm on the left or i'm just sharing memes and i'm on the right and then there's you know just people that want to get themselves angry at politics and then there's people that actually know politics and political comedians you know different things Anyways, like, I'm, like, I'm really, like, focused. I'm in, like, I'm in industry mode. I'm in, like, <clears throat> I'm in career mode. That's probably why you guys haven't been hearing me talk as reckless lately. Other than when I went back to the fucking Bay Area and I had, like, a on the anticlimactic episode and I, uh, I had some opinions about, uh, uh, about some people in the crowds. Anyways, 
So when you're in LA, it's not that you, like you, you you're superficial and you don't care about things. It's just that so much of life is happening in real time and your goals and your dreams and things that you're going after. And then also finding like the right balance of self-care and having other things for your life and still trying to have fun while being in this rat race. Did, you know, certain things go to the wayside. Like I'll say like I knew more about what was going on that wasn't around me because, you know, the Bay Area is a place where it's like they just, you know, they care about things outside of the area but they also don't care how people think outside of it. it's it's its own it's i i could go on it's its own thing but with that said my mom calls me up today and she's like hey are you surprised that herschel walker is beating uh Raphael uh warnock right now and i'm like no and, I, and i'm looking at, i'm looking at like the the map where it's like in Georgia is pretty much all red, but all the blue uh, for Senator Warnock is Atlanta, Athens, which James Morris said is like, it's like if Berkeley was in Georgia, Augusta, Savannah, and Macon. Is it Mac in Georgia? <laughs> it was such a coon. It's like uh, Mac in Georgia. I've never been to the South except the airport and that don't count. Look, um, and so obviously, you know, the Democrats, you know, won and all like, you know, the the biggest areas in uh, Georgia. Look, so I don't I don't I don't know politics well. Like, I'm not somebody where like I can. You know, like I know the three branches of government, but like it's going to take me a minute to name them if you just like put me on the spot. I don't know about laws and everything's proposing like, like I'm not going to lie. But if it's one thing that I do know, it's like I do know the tonality of culture, just being somebody that is an above average talent on stage that has to talk to people, strangers a lot. And it's gone a lot of different places a lot throughout the span of my 12 years of doing stand up. So I can more speak to the tone of people. So that's why I wasn't surprised. Because, look. I honestly believe we're past the days of I won't vote for a nigga with whatever side you lean. Like, obviously, if you're far right and you're like this fucking, you know, clan in the woods starting a militia, or you fucking like, obviously, in that case, like, you know, it's Trump or bust. Right. But when it comes to everyday, everyday folk. Like, it's a lot, like, it was a lot of white people that was down to, like, fucking, like, the same white people that voted for Trump or didn't vote at all, or the same people that was thinking about Hillary Clinton and lizard pedophile rings and Epstein and, and whatever, right? These were the same people that were fucking, these were the same kooks that, like, wanted to get Larry Elder in and, um in Newsom out in uh, California. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this, this whole thing of like, I won't vote for a black, like, like we're past the Jesse Jackson era, even during Obama. Oh, well people vote for a black person. Yeah, they fucking did. And they did it a lot, you know, it's, and they did it again, you know, in, in the case of Barack Obama. So yeah, I think like no matter what side you're on and look, th this is why it doesn't surprise me. Uh, like, although obviously, you know, Herschel Walker, 
wasn't a candidate that people could take seriously. But then again, there's been plenty of Republican candidates that, you know, people can't really take seriously. I believe, so I got a friend, right? White Jewish staunch Democrat friend. And he believes like he's obviously not with the shit Kyrie Irving's been doing from the vaccine to the flat earth to sharing the movie that he probably didn't watch and all that. But he believes Kyrie Irving should be able to play basketball. And he believes that the way that they're handling, he believes the optics are bad. And he's somebody where he really cares about optics. He thinks like, yeah, you have this black champion that you're basically telling to bend down and like emasculate and say, Hey, fucking, um, you know, you need to do this. You need to do that. Like they're trying to train him in order so he can go back and do his job. The optics on this are fucking terrible for Jews, for us Jews. The optics are terrible on this for white liberals, white lefties. Like this just looks bad. This is not helping the case at all. Even though like fuck Kyrie and that fucking documentary, right? <coughs> That's what he believes. Not saying this what I believe, <coughs> just saying this what he believes. So he thinks about these things. And then the thing that he thinks is, um, and I realize this is my podcast. You don't want to hear about like how I think, but this is, it's going to all tie into that. We're going to spend a block. But basically, more or less, he believes that like white lefties and, and liberals have gone too far with cancel culture and have gone too far with call out culture and doxing and blah, 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 blah. And that's why you have so many people that are like, yeah, fuck that shit. I'd rather be on the right. Or just like, yeah, I'm not with a lot of the stuff that, that it that you it, you're gonna end up having men and people that are just not into being progressive overall. But I guess I'm, I mean, anyways, that that's the basis of how, how this dude thinks, right? So now that I have that information, I'm like, there's gotta be people, there's gotta be Republicans out there that are like, yeah, the Tea Party was too fucking far and it was fucking racist, and we need black faces in our party. We need. Yeah, I'll fucking vote for, a, like, a black person. Like, this is the right way of life. And, like, we have been too fucking white for too long. And, we and like, in their mind, they're probably like, no, this is progressive. Even if, like, you know, they think that, <laughs> you know, women should fucking have a baby no matter what if, if they get pregnant. And and they think Black Lives Matter is a terrorist group. And they, th- and they think all these fucking things that, you know, are... These are just like things rallying on and healthcare isn't a, a human right. And they, and they think these things that aren't progressive, but they think, you know, like, no, we need more blacks and Latinos in the Republican party. So I honestly, yeah, man, I, I think, uh, it doesn't surprise me, especially just knowing how white people are so, socially like i don't fully know how everybody is politically because i don't even really think most people are that politically involved i think people like believe things they say things and then they fucking get over it and they get on like a new thing like that's just kind of how i think people are but with that said right i know so many like i'll tell you within comedy some of the worst white people i know and when i say the worst white people i mean the worst kind of white people in relation to me being black, not in relation to me as Lyle Barron's, not in relation to me 
as a stand, but I'm just saying in relation to me in personal interactions where the fact I'm black and the fact they're white comes up, the worst white people are the ones that post the most fucking Black Lives Matter, pro-Palestine, fuck Israel, uh, women's rights, human's rights, like the most trash motherfuckers I know within the stand-up comedy world are white liberal motherfuckers. I'm not going to go deeper than that, but I'm just going to say where it's like, no, you are a piece of fucking shit. Right? But at the same time, they have these values that are like really good on paper. So by that same token, on the right, <coughs> it's going to be white people... <laughs> I mean, like, I realize, like, this is kind of turning into, like, are you surprised white people voted for Herschel Walker? <clears throat> but so I'm just saying that on the right, it's motherfuckers that, like, will vote for a black guy. Like, you don't like to say white people that are like, you know, I don't think that much of the, this country is, like, racist. And they probably don't think that because they be, because they're like, yeah, I vote for a black guy. I'll vote for a black whatever, you know, if their values align with mine. Now, like, when they start fucking up and not delivering, like, I'm sure, like, their racism will come out. Like, ooh! Wouldn't that be fire? Like, well, I mean, not really, but, like, imagine, like, a black Republican president, like, almost a black Trump, and then they kind of go out like Trump. Like, would, would the right... Like, a black Republican president that's, like puts us in a recession and, you know, fucks up in the same way Bush did and fucks up in the same way Trump did. Trump fumbled the pandemic. You know, Bush fumbled the bag for America. Like, would the right still ride blindly if it was just a black dude in that position? See, this is how fucked up racism is because now I want to see the shit happen. Like, that's so fucked up. That's how much America's fucked us up, man. Anyways, so my point being, you got these people that are like, <coughs> white people on the right, they're like, oh, I don't see racism because they would do that. And they'd probably even be fine with, you know, somebody in their family bringing a Negro home. So even if, like, they don't self-analyze themselves and, you know, after George Floyd, they didn't pick up any of the reading material analyzing their... um they're white, uh, you know, they're fucking white. I mean, I don't know. I'm not fucking, I'm a nigga. I don't have to, like, know this shit. It's like, understand your privilege. Like, I don't have to fucking understand, because I have no fucking privilege. But, you know, so, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised, and I'm pretty sure we'll see uh, more of this stuff in the future. Let's start with a little show recap. <coughs> so, as you guys know, I was on a nigga visiting his mom's tour. Thanksgiving Eve went up to Sacramento to headline a brewery. <laughs> it's funny, like, you know, it's like, it's not as long as the um, the trip up to, to Redding. You know, it's like it's like an hour and twenty minutes going from uh, Oakland to Sacramento. But you know, like I, you know, like a feeling I had, w w like just like as being a comedian, it's just like, why the fuck do I do this? 
Like, I really just don't like being in the car for, like, long periods of time. Like, I honestly, like, Joe Prano was, like, bitching to me when he was doing a set in my room uh, one time because he was, he had to go from, he lives in, like, Malibu Mountains or something like that. And he had to go go out to uh, Glendale where my show is. And he was like, I honestly would prefer if this show was in Oakland because at least I could make a trip out of it. And I was just like, yeah, he's fucking grumpy, grumpy Italian man. And now I'm like, yo, I kind of fucking get it. Like, like I would rather like get on a plane for two hours than being in a car for an hour and a half to do stand up and then head right back. It just, you know, there's just things that are starting to become more and more anticlimactic for me. Before I get in the show shit, I, I gotta like run this by you guys. So I got this friend that really. Did you know be wanting to go out to lunch with me? And I'm I'm not like a good lunch friend because I'm like I I want to drink when I fucking socialize. I don't want to just like ha- like unless it's like a business lunch. Like I don't want to just like have like meal and like whether it's a date. I'm hanging out with a friend I've known for like seven years. Like I it's I, I want to have a fucking drink. I don't want to just like sit there like eating in front of you. Like I I fucking eat by myself in my own time. But so does, so like, cause my thing is, it's like, if I'm going to meet up with somebody for like a meal, like I want to eat some good shit. You know what I mean? Like I want to eat fucking, <clears throat> I'm not saying like, you know, it's, it's gotta be like, well, you know, it's like a $150 bill and like, you know, we got two appetizers, like each got an entree and like a few drinks and then it's like, fuck, already at 150. I'm not saying it's gotta be like that. But my thing is, it's like, okay, if I'm, like, going out to meet you, sit down, I'm paying the gratuity, I don't want to just, or maybe I'm not paying the gratuity, but it's just, like, I'm going out, like, I want to have something good other than that, like, I just had the shit delivered to me, or, like, I'll pick it up, but I don't want to, so, okay, here's what I mean by that, like, this friend, he's like, yeah, yeah, let's go to, let's go to, because uh, this is like, right before I was about to leave, he was like, yeah, let's, let's go to East Oakland and, like, hit a taco truck, I'm like, no, no, that doesn't sound, <laughs> I don't want to do that, and then he's like, well, let's go get it, like, because he'll be, like, wanting to get, like, sandwiches, tacos, just, like, you know, real kind of, like, everyday man lunch food, but I'm like, look, I want to, like, have a fucking drink, I want the atmosphere, I want the ambiance to be nice, otherwise, it's like, I don't want to, like, fuck, fucking eat tacos, like, in a fucking, you know, car with you, I don't want to fucking like, eat it, like, on a picnic table, and I'm fucking, like, looking around me, because it's a fucking taco truck in East Oakland, I don't want to go get some sandwiches and eat them by the lake and have this, like, fucking weird picnic, I don't know, I want to, like, like, I want, bring me a fucking drink, I want, like, because if I'm going out to, like, sit down now, it's got to be a fucking good meal, especially, like, with, with inflation, and the fact that I'm just gonna call it like it is, you got, like, a lot of servers that have to be quiet quitting and that are moody and kind of bitchy and it's like if i'm gonna do that like i want to go to a good establishment where it's like it's like yeah it's it's like above tier food and then it's you know otherwise like you know i'll just have a fucking sandwich or a taco delivered to me i don't know is, is that am, am i difficult for that i don't think i'm difficult for that because like like when we're on the road like going to a gig, like we'll get fucking McDonald's and keep it moving. But that's what my thing. It's like I'm like like all because see, this is the thing. People think like I'm like super bougie. It's that like I, I'm just about quality of life. Like I'm not too good to eat McDonald's, but I'm not gonna fucking eat McDonald's inside of the McDonald's. Like that's not fucking happening. 
Like, I'm taking that shit to go. Like, I don't, like, I'm not going to feel good about myself sitting there. Like, because if you tell me, like, I once had somebody like, yeah, yeah, let's meet up at the Burger King. And I'm like, we're not going to fucking do that. Like, we're not. <laughs> I have a bit of a piece of work. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Anyways, the, the nigga visited his mom's tour. So, we had uh, Thanksgiving Eve. I was headlining a brewery in Sacramento. We get out to Sacramento, and, and like I remember feeling like just like man, I I wish I could get like on an airplane instead of like a car. Like like I I really. Uh. Anyways, so we get to the gig, and we're there. We're looking at the setup. And it's a bunch of like tables that are super far from the stage. You know, it's like obviously like it's a brewery, so like the ceilings are like too high. I'm not like a big fan of comedy shows and breweries, but you know, sometimes I could work. Um, I think if like it's almost gotta be like fucking theater style, or it's gotta be like a really kind of smaller brewery if you're gonna pull off like a comedy show, because you know, high ceilings are, are not good for comedy. Uh with that said, <laughs> we're there. There's like a little, um, there's like a little, uh, Hawaiian, like, uh, I wouldn't call it a food truck, but it was it's like, you know, like a food tent. It's a little Hawaiian thing. We, we got some, some garlic shrimp, some rice, some, some beers. And as the headliner, I had to pay for, for my fucking opener's food. Otherwise I'd feel like a piece of shit. So we're there. And then, uh, the promoter is like, <laughs> is like you know is like telling us about all the different types of beers and the hot sauces and how much he fucking loves the place and then we're just looking at the fucking tables that are like super far from the stage and then <laughs> my opener texted me something to the effect of their producers that start shows just so they can drink for free. <laughs> and I'm so glad he texted me that instead of saying it out loud like so many fucking comics that like lack subtlety. But I busted out laughing. I, I let out like a classic Lyle like hyena laugh right when he said that. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah we'll talk about this later. <laughs> but that's clearly what the fuck it was. It was clearly like this man and, and the guy that put it on, he's a good dude. But he clearly fucking liked the beer. And he was like, yeah, I'll do a show here. And then I, and then I was like, yeah, we're going to have some fun. And then he, he says to me, hey, man, it is what it is. Because like, it wasn't like a shit ton of people there. They weren't super involved. He did like five minutes up and then brought up the first comic. Like It was clearly, you know. So I, I just crowd worked my way through that like entire thing. Like I did like some material. I did like enough material to get them on my side. And then I was like, yeah, fuck this. Like We're hanging out. And then there was like somebody at the, uh, this girl that was like sitting right by the stage. She was on her phone. And I'm like, you, like, what, what the fuck is it? Like, you're on your phone? And then she's like, yeah, I was on stage earlier. And I said, yeah, just so you know, uh, texting while is very fucked up. And being a comic texting in the front is super taboo. And she felt like so much shame. And then she just dropped her phone on the floor. I, I was like worried the screen broke. Well, I wasn't really worried, but I was just like, hey, your screen probably broke. But I was like, you know, some shame is fucking good. Shame is fu- and, we'll, and we'll, we'll get to that later. <coughs> but that happened. <laughs> and it was like, and then I just, I just like fucking, 
I, I just made it through my set. There's like, there's a, and you know, we weren't in Sacramento to be exact. We was in this place called Elk Grove, which is like, it's like an hour south of Sac. And we had like the people at the show. We had like the type of white people where, you know, like they, they dress very casual, but like they got fucking money because they own like, like there's a guy at the show that owned, um, like a manure farm or something like, you know, like a dirt farm or something. Then after the show, after the show, he showed me a video of how, cause he had a, he had a cast on. Then he was like, are you going to ask me about my cast? And I was like, no, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care how people hurt themselves. I'm not one of those people like, Oh, what happened? Like, I don't really give a shit. Like you, you hurt yourself and now you're wearing the fucking thing. I don't care. You know, that's, there's certain things, there's certain stories that people think are like really entertaining. Like, hey, let me tell you how I got how I got injured. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Well, snowboarding, you dancing, you did some shit. And for him, he was like lassoing, and they showed me the video, and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's different for what I'm used to. But okay, it but it, it's that, and then it's stories about the time somebody took an edible. Like, yeah, I took it. Like, oh, and I had too much. It's like every fucking story somebody taking an edible is the fucking same. Like, oh, but I said just have one, but I didn't have one. Oh, oh. it's like, yeah, and then you, like, you didn't feel good. Yeah, you had a bad trip. Okay, all right, next. This, It's like that, and then people showing me videos on their phone. I cannot, stay, like, send it to me. I don't care that much. Just send it to me. I'll watch it during my leisure, and I'll probably never watch it, but don't fucking... Anyways, like the only time I like when people send me videos are when it has to do with something that we was talking about. Like, okay, remember we was talking about this. This made me think of you. Like, I like send videos where it's personalized. Anyway, so the gig uh, is funny. At one point, I'm, I'm on stage, and <clears throat> this lady says, "Um, are you nervous about being here?" And I said, "Why well, wasn't until you fucking asked that question." <laughs> Because, you know, Sacramento, like, you know, you got black folk, but Sac is still like, a, you know, it's like a fucking, it's Calabama. It's like, you know, it's fucking, it's still racist, but, you know, it's black folk. And, and it's like a major professional sports team. So, like, and it's the capital. But Elk Grove is like very, very, very Calabama. It's very, you know, hickish. And um, anyways, but th- that lady and those people, they, they bought uh, three T-shirts off of me. And let me tell you something about the fucking, the blue collar white people. I used to hate performing for them. I used to hate performing for the blue collar bridge and tunnel white people because, you know, I was like, oh, they're not fucking smart. They're not going to get this shit. I'm, I can't, you know, and I don't really even do like pro black material. I'm just like a black man. It's like not a suck ass nigga, you know, in my comedy, like. I'm, I'm sure I say some pro-black shit on the pod, but like in terms of my stand-up, like the goal is always funny first. But sometimes the funny is going to come from the perspective of somebody that is a masculine black man and thinks that, you know, there's a lot of bullshit out there. So anyways, I would hate performing for, you know, um, like the, the, the fucking rednecks, the Calabama people and, the, and all that shit. <clears throat> but now as time has gone on... And metropolitan people have gotten so shitty, like on the last episode, Anticlimactic, how I talked about, um, <clears throat> I'm on stage in Oakland and I say to the one girl, like, you're pretty. And then just, and then like the woman just is fucking like livid that I called her friend pretty. Like you're using your platform to say things. Ah, and of course the girl was fine with it. <laughs> 
But it's like I'm appreciating people that just want to come out and see a show. Like, okay, so they don't get the deep cuts. Okay, so like, you know, they're not as sophisticated or savvy as an audience. Okay, yeah, they like talk more than you, you would prefer. They come ready to have a fucking good time. They don't come like these people, like these people I'm going to talk about later, where they bring in like all their fucking politics and their values to the front. They're just like, hey, I want to have a good time. So I'm like, that's, I, I'm, I'm focusing on that more because it's like, yeah, you still got a fucking job to do up there, buddy. Not to say it's not to say like I'm gonna let somebody punk me or I'm gonna be like, oh, I gotta make sure I entertain the folk. But um, it's to say that you know, you signed up for this motherfucker, so you know if they come ready to have a good time, come to show them a good time. And if they come not ready to have a good time, then you need to let them know, hey, motherfucker, you not here to have a good time, and I'm gonna fucking remind you, or you can just try to make them have a good time. But that's the job. Anyways, um, yeah, so sack then. Thanksgiving roll by. Thanksgiving was cool. I like I cooked everything. My mom cooked nothing. She she helped prepare. That's what she did. I was just like, I got it. I got it all. I made collard greens and with smoked turkey neck. Right. <clears throat> then I did jerk Cornish jerk hens and curry goat. The collard greens came out amazing. The corn the uh Cornish jerk hens, they was good. They could have been like they could have been like a little better. I'm just not great at my. I, it just didn't have that uh that slow jerk cook that I want. Which I mean, like really, I should have grilled it, but it was like it was like too cold to like go out there and start a fire. And I was like, yeah, I'm not dealing with that. And then the goat, uh, I fucked the goat up because I cooked the goat like it was oxtail, and like it was tender and it was falling off the bone. But then I ended up burning a bunch of like the vegetables. So it's like if you've ever had gumbo and you've had like a burned roux. You know, because, like, that's the thing with gumbo. It's like, you can't fuck up the roux. So, for me, it's like, there was no roux, but the vegetables, like, they cooked down and they cooked too long. And then it was, and like, it burned. And then so there's, like, this, like, burnt vegetable taste. And, like, the goat meat was good. Like, I cooked the goat meat right. But, you know, I fucked up the vegetables with it. Anyways. um, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I, I got some, like, because with the Cornish jerk hands, I got some potatoes to soak up the, cause that, that's the thing. Like if you're going to bake like some jerk chicken, I recommend putting like a bed of potatoes on it. Cause then that soaks up the juices. But what got fucked up, right. Was I got the organic little fingerling potatoes, but they were like well past their prime. So it was like just these, like, you know, like they were cooked fine, but they just, ugh, they didn't. I was just like, I shouldn't have gotten organic. I should have just got the shit with the pesticides that like still taste good. You know? I have a very California mother, though, so it's like in my head, I'm like, gotta get organic, gotta get organic, you need organic, you know, it's it, it's it's the California gift and the curse. Anyway, so, yeah, did that, watched like Godfather, just watched a bunch of movies, drank wine, chilled the fuck out. Then Friday rolled around at Alameda Comedy Club with the prolific Sammy Obeyed. Those shows are fun, man. Um, did the shows, uh, and it was good to be, just be like back in the green room with Sammy, and, and just like and just chilling and being still. Then Friday, uh, my my mom was there. <laughs> my mom just—I can't remember. Like we were out doing something, and it just made sense for her to come with me to the show. 
and the way it was was um we went to there's like this uh there's like this wine shop that we hit up we got like got a few things and then right around the corner there was like this new bar and i'm like hey let's go and check it out because i lived in alameda for a minute <clears throat> when uh back during my cohabitation days <laughs> glad that shit's over so we go into this bar and then, oh, wait, I, I, let me not talk shit. Those are those are great times of my life. Yeah, those are great times of my life. Like I didn't like like Alameda per se, but like I it was I was like oddly happy, even though I was like living in a place I didn't like. But so, anyways, and this is this is like two thousand like eighteen that I'm living in Alameda, but uh, cohabitating. But so, anyways, so this new spot. I'm like, oh man, let's. Let's check this out. And then, like, we do a shot of tequila, me and my mom. Like, which it's like the second time I've been in a bar where I'm not performing. Well, I'm, I guess, like, San Diego being the first time. Anyways, let's pull up to the club. And I'm there. My mom's like, oh, yeah, yeah. My mom had to come later because she, like, uh, she had to, like, go to the bathroom or something. And then I was, like, running late. I'm like, all right, just take a car over there and, like, I'll meet you, you know. So I'm in the green room, and one of the bits that is in my A rotation is uh, the threesome bit, which you guys, if if you follow me on Instagram, it's it's pinned at the top of my page. It's definitely going on, like, whatever my next album or special is, that's definitely going to be on there. It's, it's one of my signature bits. And I'm talking to Sammy, like, I don't know, do I do it? Do I not do it? And I'm like, Sammy, what should I do? And Sammy's like, okay, so if you want my opinion... And Sammy wouldn't give me a yes or no. Sammy said, so before there's certain bits where I'm like, I would just not do them in front of my mom, you know, just out of respect or whatever. Then I was at Ed- Edinburgh doing the festival and Tehran is on stage and he's saying the most like, you know, nasty shit. And just say the most, you know, he's saying obnoxious shit. And my mom is laughing her ass off, cracking up. And I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I'm talking my shit. Like, this is what I do. This is my profession. I'm at work right now. I'm talking my shit. And I said, cool. So I was like, well, Sammy said so. (laughs) Even though he did have fucking reservations about talking like that. So I get on stage. I'm doing my act. I'm thinking like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. But the thing is when you're a stand up and like, you have like your main act, like obviously I have like probably... Like, if I was to, like, write all my, you know, solid material down, like, and write out every bit. Because there's also shit that I forgot that works. But it's like, if I could obviously do an hour of stand-up comedy just fine. But I'm like, if I would, like, every material, like, we're not talking crowd work, it's probably, like, know, like a little under two hours of like, sol- of, like, solid material. I'm not saying, like, I would, like, put it out for the world. But of solid material, I could, it's, like, two hours altogether. That doesn't necessarily mean it would flow as a full set, but I'm just saying it's like it's good material, you know. <clears throat> but I also wouldn't walk around saying I got two hours. Like I fucking wouldn't say that. <clears throat> Take note, comics. But so with that said, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm like, all right, well, it's not like I don't have plenty of material, but at the same time, I'm doing 20, 25 minutes, and I'm doing my greatest hits because I'm doing a weekend at a club. And that reflex is right fucking there. That reflex of just doing... uh, And then I just fucking went for it. 
And then at one point, I'm like, you know, my mom's in the crowd. And then because I'm just like, I, I couldn't, I had to fucking address it. I did it. It went well. I had a really good set. And then, like, you know, but my mom doesn't bring it up until later. Like, it was great up until, other than that uh, one moment. And then, like, yeah, yeah, what are you going to do? But then, um, okay, so one thing that happened, and I'm very proud of myself for this. So, this one dude came, uh, the homie Devin, who's, Good rapper based out of San Jose, real cool, real cool dude. And he came through, got a ticket and everything, you know, got the little two item minimum. Shout out Devin, you know, stream my nigga music. But uh, and I'm, I'm gonna put a link for his music so you guys can check it out <coughs> in the episode description. But so anyway, so he sees me because he's he's he he told me he listened to my album and he's like seeing shit on instagram so the stuff i did on stage he saw a lot of it i'm like bro you want to stay like for the second show so in the second show i did 100 percent a different set from the previous show well honestly I, I i did like mostly crowd work the entire set but it would fucking excuse me it would fucking great And I feel very proud because I'm like, man, and that's my whole thing, though, about like whether it's like the the fucking whether it's like some white people that like you probably know voted for Trump as long as you're not wearing that fucking bullshit ass hat. But it's like they probably voted for Trump twice or it's um, some people that came out to see me. But like if you come out ready to laugh and have a good time, I'm giving you a motherfucking show. That's what the fuck I do. I'm fucking going to work. Like, I don't like this, you know, kind of like I'm going to sit on the stool. I'm going to bring notes on stage. Like, I don't like that shit. Like, come ready to work, nigga. Come ready to catch a fucking body if this is what the fuck you do. You know, I don't, I'm not into all that, like, nah, man. Like, unless it's like a legitimately a workout room, but if people are like fucking paying the cover and they're like, and you're really getting paid something, come ready to work. So with that said, I feel good about that. Then um <laughs> I got some uh I, I got some good career news. I'm not gonna talk about it uh, and because you don't know if anything will come of it and you don't know what's gonna happen. If you're in my personal life, you know what I'm talking about because I told you, but I got like a really, really um I, I, I got offered something really fucking cool, you know, that's industry, you know. So after the show, I'm like, hey, um I said to my mom, like, yeah, hey, you wanna grab a drink? End up grabbing a drink at this bar where it's karaoke going, and there's a and I'm sitting at the bar with my mom. And like I'm gonna like order Uber soon. I'm like I'm like, hey mom, have you ever had a sidecar? She's like, no, I haven't had that. And I'm like, you'll like it. It's sweet. And she's like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's that's very good. <laughs> and so I'm like, so I'm like we're, we're like sharing drinks and stuff. And then a woman that was at the show is there. She comes up. And you know. She's uh, she's hitting on me or whatever. You know, like I guess this that's cool. Then I look across and there's like a a, a 39-year-old Mexican man hitting on my mom. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this is I just wanted to have like like a family outing like at a bar like you know on, on some like kind of like East Coast shit. Like, yeah, we just go to the pub. It's not like it's a family thing. Like that's what I was looking for, but of course, like you're not gonna get that at a karaoke bar in Alameda. 
So here I am as a guy that's flirting with my mom, and my mom's like, oh, yes, yes. No, it's a very nice drink. You know, and, and this lady's like, so how long are you in town for? You want to do a shot? Like, this is my friend. And I'm like, what? The, we need to get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> I wanted, like, a very wholesome time. That shit was not wholesome. I'm like, wow. So anyways, I had a piercing hangover the next morning. And, you know, I, like, up that... Up until that entire Bay Area uh, trip, I had not had one fucking hangover. Not one. By God. Was that intense. And to make matters a little worse, um, I uh, I booked it because I found out it's about to close the, the Hangar 1 Vodka Distillery is about to close down. Like they're still going to make the vodka, but they're not you're not going to be able to come in to grab a drink. You're not going to be able to go in to um do like the tasting tours. So we're in the and then I finally get sick. I finally get a cold. I finally have my hangover and I'm just getting my ass kicked. I am like I couldn't eat nothing. I was I was like depleted. I'm like I really have to go up and say funny things. So but I had already booked the fucking tour because I'm like, all right, this is like, th- this makes sense. I'm going to be in Alameda. It's in Alameda. And by the way, if you are <coughs> in the Bay Area or you're passing <coughs> through, I'm not like a big vodka person, but I really do like, <laughs> I-, I-, I just fucking like, you know, distilleries and breweries and wineries and shit. Like, it's fun to see how it's made and like to taste it off the line. Um but yeah, it's in it's in a, a old navy hangar, and it's like uh, where they used to like it, the fucking the navy base in Alameda. It closed in like 1997, but you, you go down there, you see like a beautiful view of San Francisco across. You go through like it, it, it's cool, you know, it's cool. So we're doing the tour, and my mom's just like she's just like really not into the tour. She's just like you know I'm kind of tired from the night before. And I'm like, thank God you said something, because I would have just fucking toughed it. And I was just, and then, like, we're tasting this vodka, and I'm just like ready to throw it. But I'm like, nope, gotta man. I don't know why, like, I do that to myself. But to me, that's just like, you plan this, you gotta be a man. And it's like, like, I, I, like, is that really worth fifty dollars? Like, no. But it's it wasn't even it wasn't about the money. You know, it was. I feel like an Italian. It wasn't about the money. It was about the fact that it had to stay with it. So anyway, so. <laughs> We're doing the tour, and then like we're waving to the people, and then we go upstairs, and I'm like, all right, I need some hair of the dog. You have yourself whatever. I had a delicious white wine spritzer. It like just really because I'm like, I'm like, I need to get evened out. I feel like shit and I have work. That's what I told the guy. He's like, got just the thing for you. And it was like, it was almost kind of like a Negroni, but it was a white wine spritzer, and man, that it definitely helped me. And then, and then my mom got a nice uh, black lady drink. It was, it was uh, vodka and OJ and cranberry mixed together. That, that, that's, that's like a nice black lady drink. It's like, okay, so could you mix the juices? Because I want something tropical. Okay, so I know y'all not doing no, y'all only doing um, mixed drinks. Y'all ain't doing no cocktails. But see, what I'm going to need, I'm like, that's like one thing I like about being with my mom. She's like, you can just order for me. <laughs> um. So then after that, I like go over, I go over to the comedy club and I'm like, I feel like fucking death, you know, 
And I didn't get set. <laughs> of course. Of course I did. There's something about, like, when you have your 10,000 hours in and you've been doing, like, stand-up forever. I, th- I don't even think it's about stand-up. I think it's, like, when you've been doing a craft forever, you can be fine. Like, you can do that craft, you know? It's, like, why, like, you know, uh, fucking chefs, bartenders, line cooks, whatever, they've been doing this shit, you know? <coughs> they've been doing this shit, so... You know, you come in hungover, you could cook, make drinks, do you know, do, do what you got to do, even if you feel like death. And for me, it's like that's that's stand up. There's a lot of things I cannot muster through with a hangover, but like I can, I can get on stage and like have a fucking good set. Because like you just because that's the thing about stand up is like, or like at least for me, is whatever I'm going through, I just I fucking use it. Oh, I'm going through a breakup. Use it. Oh, I'm hungover. Use it. I feel good. Use it. You know, like whatever you're going through, you, you just use it. Um, but yeah, that happened. Oh, also, one thing. Uh, I, I got some uh unsolicited advice for any comics that may be listening to this. Tip out the fucking staff. Good things happen when you tip out the staff. I learned that from Tritton Davis. Uh, I I got a I got, I got a nice little bonus from the club because I tipped uh I, I tipped like twenty five out to this. It was only like it was like two people, you know, working on the floor, and and uh, it was it was definitely appreciated. So you know that's that's my advice. Like good things happen when you tip out the staff. Um, one show. At the club, I met Sammy Obeyed's mom for the second time. I met her, like, one time when I was, like, at her house, and she was just, you know, she was, like, she was, like, in house mode, and, like, you know, she, like, wasn't, like, she was expecting that somebody was going to be coming over, but it was, like, you know, it was different than I, like, I saw her out, and uh, she was, like, oh, that was, that, was, that was real good. I'm, like, yeah, Rosemary, right? She's, like, how do you know who I am? Like, yeah, we met before, and then, and then we get to talking, and she is like the complete opposite uh, of Sammy. It was, it was incredible. And my mom's like the complete opposite of me in terms of like, you know, personality and temperament. And I actually, cause, cause like with me and Sammy, a lot of people wonder like how we work together so often when we will be at the Hollywood improv tomorrow. But people, um, people like wonder, <coughs> people like don't really get our relationship because, you know, I'm like, I'm like a wild hood nigga and he's like, you know, a a nerd academic, but it's like we have a similar approach to in terms of being professionals within stand up and and we're both foodies and we have a curiosity for life and we have a lot of theories and like, you know, we're 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 big listeners and observers and we and we often get annoyed by the same type of people. So, you know, those those things help for forming comic friendships. But it was funny is um cuz cuz like Sammy's mom was like, "Yeah, you got to come over so, sometime." And I'm like, "Well, he's he's never invited me over." And she said, "Well, I'm inviting you over, you know, because Sam needs friends. Okay? He needs to be around some people." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." It is funny cuz my mom's like introverted and it, it it's like that kind of helped me understand 
how like me and Sammy are able to get because like my mom is like quiet, reserved, shy. Sammy's quiet, reserved, shy. Sammy's mom's outgoing, big, warm personality. You know, I'm outgoing, big, warm personality. And I was able to see like, oh, like I think our mothers is why like we like why we get along. And it's funny, I told I told Sammy, like, I had a really good talk with his mom. And then Sam, it's classic Sammy fashion. He just says, yeah, hopefully she remembers you next time. I'm like, yo, man, that's your mom, bro. Like, it's... Oh, man, I fucking, I, I, I fucking love that woman. She's, she's awesome. Um, Hey, this is one thing uh, from the run of shows I did in the Bay Area. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, let, let's talk. Let's talk about the LA Laugh City shows. So then I come back. Um, I took like because uh, I was like that was like down bad, like sick. So I took like a week and I just stayed at my mom's house and I just like I just rested the entire time. I was just chilling, laying down, drinking my liquids, having my hot toddies, getting right. Then get on the plane. I took Jet Sweet X out because I'm like, you know what? I made I made some good money this run. I can afford it. It's quick. Like I don't want to. I just want to like walk right through. I don't want to deal with any like long delays. And I, I did Jet Sweet X and it was great. Land, get to leave Oakland. Land in Burbank. Boom, you're there. <coughs> so then the next day, we have Laugh City in L.A. We're doing one show Friday, two shows Saturday. Shows went great. It was it was it was nice to be back on uh, what is now the home turf. It's fucking good. Uh, hey, uh, here's the thing. Let's talk about baseline of professionalism. So there's this. I really don't like when open micers come to my show to hang out. There's this one, and later, and he goes by like a stage name, which and he's not black. He's not. A, I'm not gonna say what he was, but he is not a black comic, and he goes by a stage name. And you know, like, if you know me, you know how I feel about comics that go by stage names. They on some bullshit. So, this nigga, right, who's not a nigga, this nigga, right, comes to the 9 p.m. show, and I'm like, and, and like, a universal rule with comedy is, like, comics don't have to pay the cover, and they can sit in the back and watch the show if there's room, and there was room. So the host is on stage, and, and he's with a he's, he's with a black dude that's like real cool and respectful, and he and the black dude is like checking my temperature and making sure everything's cool, but the guy that's with him isn't. So the girl that's on stage hosting uh, my show, she's an attractive girl, you know, she's a good looking girl, fit, you know, looks good, and this fucking guy is like. Really, really fucking hammy laughing at everything that she's saying. He's like, oh, ah, ah, and he's all fucking bugging his eyes out and just being a coon in the worst kind of way. And like, it's, and look, she, she's a good comic, but he's like, he's going all crazy about her setups. It's like, bro, wait for her to get to the fucking punchline. And I was pissed off because I knew what the fuck he was doing. He was doing this thing where he, and then like, he was like, like, it was like, it was like hey, does anybody here do, do this? And he's answering back, and it's like, dude, you a fucking comic, you ignorant nigga. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is this is not like what he did. And I explained this to to uh, 
you know, uh, one of the staff, one of the people behind the bar, I said, what he's doing is equivalent to if somebody, if a bartender went to a bar and they asked the bartender to remake the drink three times and they said, oh, don't worry, I'm going to tip you. Don't worry, I'm going to tip you. Like there's certain things when you are in a certain profession, when you're in a certain field, like it's very taboo for you to do. It is very taboo to be a comic and try to like, it's like, dude, there's a reason you're not on fucking stage right now. Cause it, one, this bullshit and probably you do bullshit when you are on, when you are on stage. And I was just so fucking, and then I checked the, the Laugh City Instagram account. And then there was a message. Y'all got any December, y'all booking any December spots. That's how you do a fucking booking email. My nigga, you trash ass nigga. So then later, right after the show, like I'm like, I'm like just working the room. Cause I had like a really, really good set that second show. And I'm like working the room. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for coming out. No, I appreciate it. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just working the room. Yeah. So where are you from? And that that's like an important thing that I see a lot of comics don't do. Comics don't work the room anymore after the show. They just been, Hey, thanks for coming. Follow me on Instagram. Are you on TikTok? Thank you. I don't see enough like, oh, yeah. It's like, bro, like you be the life of the party, my nigga. So anyways. Show's over. Work in the room. And as it winds down, this guy is just kind of sheepishly in the corner. His, his homeboy already left. He said, hey, um, do you have any spots? open sometime he didn't ask it with confidence and just even like the way this guy fucking networked is just like for one like if i'm going to somebody's spot i'm like hey that was a really good show my name is good set this is a really good show um i don't know if this is the right time but i would love to perform on your show and maybe even i was hey can i get you a drink like this stuff that's just what the fuck is wrong with these new niggas? There is something wrong with these new motherfuckers. And I told him straight up, I said to his face, I was like, that was some of the most unprofessional shit I've ever seen in my fucking life. And that's a lie. I've seen, I mean, you heard me talk about terrible Washington on the Janky Promoters episode. That was the worst shit I've ever seen. But <laughs> whatever, I'll, I'll lie to a nigga. So I'm like, that was some of the worst shit I ever seen, and it, it was in its own way. <clears throat> and I I gave the analogy. It's like that's like fucking a bartender that knows another bartender, and they go and they do that. That's like somebody that's a theater actor that goes to a play and they take a fucking phone call in the middle of the play. That's what the fuck you did. And he said, that's fair. That is very fair. Fucking annoying guy. That did not stop me from letting him give me and the homie Rishi a ride to West Hollywood. <laughs> oh man, God. So then there's this other one. I don't I don't really want to talk about it. Well, no, I fucking do want to talk about it. I just don't want you guys to know who the fuck I'm talking about. So I'm not gonna say what show this happened, but um look. There's this is stand-up comedy. And and you know, it's a it's an art form where certain things it's like stand-up comedy, um, 
bartender service industry. And I would even kind of say tech because tech has like a little bit of like a fratty culture. Definitely, definitely the Wall Street stockbroker finance got finance boys like excuse me sports pro athlete there's certain fields where it's it's things that, that is um acceptable that's not acceptable in other fields it's like when fucking um when Draymond uh punched Jordan Poole and people were like you could not punch a coworker shut the fuck like Shut the fuck up, okay? Like, and I'm not saying like he should have punched him, but I'm saying, and also it was not a sucker punch. You know, it was it was whack, but it was not a sucker punch. To be like he assaulted a coworker, no, them two niggas got into it. Like, enough with the fucking assault shit. Like, and then he batter. Like, it's certain things that like are allowed in this field. Like, you can smoke weed, you can drink, you can. There's certain things like you can do on the job in, in like our field. But with that said, if you're a fucking opener and you're killing the vibe of the green room, you are way out of fucking order. Not going to say what show this happened at, but I'm saying if you come in there and look, there's like a certain candor, there's like a certain candor that uh, we have as comics. But when you just like fucking bring the vibe down, when you just fucking kind of don't have anything good to say and people are like in decent spirits and you just fucking bringing it down with your bullshit, you got to check yourself. You need to or just shut the fuck up. You know, there's just certain things like ex- like especially if you were an opening comic, you cannot be a shitty green room hang. OK, headliners can be annoying in the green room. OK. Uh, features can't do as much as the headliners in the green room, but features can do like a, <coughs> a little bit, <coughs> especially if there's, a, especially if it's a feature that's like made their bones, they definitely got their stripes and they've been like at it. But if you were a host, I don't care if you a house MC, if you were a host and you just kind of fucking up the vibe of the green room, nigga, you suck. Like, like you, you just fucking suck. There's just so many people. I don't know. So many people fucking suck now. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Behrens. I truly, genuinely appreciate you guys for tuning in. And look, let me just say, I know it's the holidays, motherfuckers be getting depressed. We got inflation, it's rough, especially if you got kids, and if you got a girl, you know, and you just may not got it like that. So, you know, let me just say, keep your chin up, keep your head up, stay strong, my nigga, and let's all make it to 23, safely, healthy, and happy.